And, and really what I found the Enneagram to be is the just giving you the language to be able to understand the choice that you're making, mm-hmm. right? Am I choosing a stress response or am I choosing my growth today? This is the Alchemized Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Johanna, and I am so grateful to have you here joining me for yet another soul expansive conversation. My intention with every episode is to show you through storytelling and in-depth conversations that you, yes, you, are capable of creating anything you desire. Alongside yours truly, you'll hear from thought leaders and industry voices, and together we will teach you how to come alive in your authentic expression and remember the infinite power of your soul. We're covering topics like wealth, worthiness, the pursuit of your passions, and you'll be inspired to break all the rules of living an ordinary life. You were truly put on this planet to have it all. The thriving spiritual practice, the steamy relationship, the income, and the impact. So together, let's align with our divine selves and alchemize your life. Welcome back to the Alchemize Life podcast. It's 2022 and you are all in for a treat today. Rochelle and I were actually nerding out a little bit before we hit record because we are talking about Enneagram today and I know nothing. So if you know nothing as well, this is going to be such a great episode, especially such a great way to kick off the beginning of the year because it's just more information, (laughs) which we'll probably laugh about in a little bit once Michelle comes on, Um, information to support you in your growth, in healing, in navigating the different, you know, circumstances and opportunities and challenges that come up throughout the year in your life and in your business and in your relationships. I think that it is absolutely fascinating and I'm really excited to learn alongside of you today. So Rochelle Taylor, I'm so grateful, is actually one of my past students inside of the Academy of Breath. I've had the pleasure of also working with her in a very, 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 very small format with coaching as well. And it has been so cool to be able to connect with her again, to have her on the podcast to talk about the Enneagram. So Rochelle works with individuals to really nurture their innate nature by sharing the insight of the Enneagram and practices designed to support your ever evolving self. Like I said, more information that can really help us understand who we are so that we're not just taking on the shoulds or the do this or the do that from the outside world, but really navigating our lives, our businesses in a way that works for us, I think is the best way that we can set ourselves up for success and not just, you know, external material success, but also soul success, fulfillment, nourishment, all of the things that are really underneath the material goals or achievements that we set for ourselves. If you guys have been listening to this podcast over the past few months, you know that I've been going through my own inner journey of peeling back the layers of what success means to me and what it means to be fulfilled and what it means to be nourished. And it's been really cool to kind of like open up a new journal, a new, a new notebook, a new page, a fresh page and create from what is inherently within me versus things that are outside of me. So I have no doubt that in today's episode, in this conversation, you are going to start creating that within yourself as well. So Rochelle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know that this is a long time coming, so I appreciate you being here with me today. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So I'd love to just hear before we even jump into all the things, how you found Enneagram and like what really stood out to you as far as this being, you know, one of the core offerings that you bring to the world and have supported your clients with. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so my auntie Linda Taylor um, introduced me to the Enneagram 20 some years ago when I was 15 um, and navigating sort of, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life as a teenager when you're given that insanely huge question um, to answer and uh, and found, recognized myself in my sevenness and the type seven, the enthusiast, the epicure. And really then it gave me the language to understand my gifts, to understand why I was different than others, than anyone else. Um, but really what I did with it at first was what I tell my clients and students exactly not to do, which is I let it justify a lot of my behavior, mm. right? Because the Enneagram um, outlines not only your skills and strengths, but also your shadow aspects and how you operate in stress that then um, some of those, you know, less desirable qualities, I would then go, oh, that's just my sevenness. Oh, that's just me being a seven over excessive indulgent, all those things. And instead of recognizing that those are actually patterns that I've (laughs) created as a means to cope with the challenges of navigating being human. Um, and so that was, you know, 20 years ago. And then, um, in my own life, um, really was drawn to yoga and meditation and and the wellness world and spent, you know, the majority of my twenties really immersed in that space and, um, had come back to the Enneagram in my partnership as a way to like, you know, navigate a long-term partnership to have the language, to be able to communicate with each other, um, and, And in that dove into the system sort of full on, meaning, you know, exploring more than just my type, but all nine of the types and how the whole system works together. And that was probably about five or seven years ago. And then I had um, wellness festivals and retreats that I was offering. And I would offer Enneagram workshops as part of those and could see, you know, how it had the power to really provide, um, this radical self-awareness for people that they could use in real ways. And that offered them so much more that um, was applicable. So in 2020, when my events business, of of course, crumbled, um, I was left with what am I supposed to do? What am I going to do? And I came back to the Enneagram and to look into my own growth path, my own spiritual work, my own um, ways of expanding into what's possible. And through that decided or came to that the Enneagram was really my Dharma um, because as a seven, one of my gifts is being able to see patterns and being able to see patterns and recognize patterns in others and help them see patterns in themselves um, is really a game changer because when you start to understand that you actually don't operate the world in the same way others do, there's a lot more compassion and and possibility really. Yeah, I think that, you know, especially looking at it from how you reapproached it in partnership when you were saying that, I was thinking, gosh, how helpful is it, whether it's with a friend or with a lover to understand where they're coming from based off of literally just like their, their up imprint, right. Mm-hmm. And, and how they're, and how they show up in the world rather than a space of defensiveness because they're not showing up at the same level or in the same, in the same direction. Way. Yeah, totally. So as a seven as well, Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you with 
going and like diving all in because I am so like that as well, that, you know, that's why the Academy yeah. of breath is what it is because I was like, ah, oh, this is really cool that I've taken these trainings, but I feel like I want more and I want to give people more. Like I want to be able to create something that is so comprehensive that there is like no ifs, ands, or buts about how this can be powerful in your life. When you started diving back into the Enneagram, what was that process like for you to understand like the shadow side of it while also your strengths. Cause I feel mm -hmm. like we do have that kind of like dichotomy there of being maybe not every, um, is, is it, would you just call them numbers? Every number yeah, or every, every, yeah, every, type. every, yeah, every type isn't as indulgent and like desiring to go as deep as, as we do. But I do think that just like part of human nature that we all have to kind of grapple with is that where's the balance between when my strengths turn into being too much. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I actually think to answer that it's best if we just take a step back. So I want to just share with their listeners, with everyone, that the Enneagram is this spiritual framework that outlines nine predictable ways of navigating the world, okay? Mm -hmm. And these are patterns that have been observed through psychologists and who, that date back thousands of years um, into understanding how different humans grow and heal and have different gifts to share. And the Enneagram is really rooted in this truth that we have three brains, the head, the heart, and the gut. And these nine expressions of humanness are really nine expressions of navigating the world, um, three expressions of navigating the world rather through the head, three through the heart, and three through the gut. And this creates the nine types. Now, once you identify your type and you self-type, um, the Enneagram itself is a shape. The word means a nine-pointed shape in constant motion. Mm -hmm. And so the, the shape itself is in constant motion and there are arrows. So from your number, there'll be two lines that come out from your number and point to other numbers. And these show you your growth pattern and your stress response. Mm -hmm. So this is how you act like other numbers in times of growth and in times of stress. Mm. And so it gives you language for to notice your stress response. And for me as a seven, that's to the one type. And so in my relationship, instead of my partner saying, you're becoming really critical and he'll say, your one is showing, <laughs> your one is showing, right? Okay. And that's a, a, a red flag for me, right? That's my stress response acting up. And my growth um, path, my growth path is to the five type. And the five type is sort of the hermit, the observer. They um, don't really engage much with the world and they really um, understand and know their inner landscapes very deeply. Okay. So, um, and to heal my sevenness adopts or reaches for behaviors of the five type mm -hmm. to learn and integrate, to share your virtue and the virtue of the seven type is actually wisdom okay and that's the in in embodiment that's the gift that we have to share with the world is wisdom and each of the nine types have great gifts every type have great gifts to share and we all have our lessons to learn but um so for me in this year of 2020 2021 was a really diving into 
deep, whereas my nature likes to go in shallow. I like mm-hmm. to learn a little bit about a lot of things and that's what I've done most of my life. But instead in, in integrating this wisdom was, no, I need to go deep. I need to know the whole system. I need to take lots of trainings. I need to fully understand this um, and give myself time and space alone which was easy under the circumstances, give myself time and space alone to really sit with this knowledge before I act, before I say yes, before I have another idea, before I say more, 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 I've got to sit with this. Mm. And from that can share um, an embodied expression. So for me as a seven, going into my five type, um, that growth path, leaning into that was really um, acquiring more wisdom and less, you know, shiny things. Mm -hmm. Mm. I mean, I think we were on the same path, just parallel to each other. <laughs> so if you, if anyone that's a seven, that wouldn't, then the growth path would be five, the stresses, uh, stresses would be one. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So how do you, for anybody that has identified their, their type, and for anyone that's listening, if you do need support with that, obviously reach out to Rochelle and all of her information. Well, I do have a free self-typing guide and I'll send Beautiful. you the link okay, that cool. um, people can download and it, it outlines the self-typing process and also has uh, an overview of all nine of the types. Um, and that's a really great place to start. There's links to where to get started, where to learn more, because there's so much information available there. And like every spiritual tool that's made its way over, it's been diluted and, and right. we want to be really conscious of where we're getting information from just to make sure that, um, you know, especially we're talking about your innate nature. We want to make sure it's from the sources that we trust. Totally. So so my self-typing guide is a great place to start. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, maybe the reasons why Enneagram never stood out to me very much on the internet is because there's just so much information out there and it does feel kind of watered down in a way. And I think that's why having this conversation with you felt like a full body. Yes, because you are an expert, you know, and this is like, it's your, like you said, it's your Dharma. So I definitely suggest people go and, um, go through that process. Um, and my question for you then would be once someone does know what their type is, what is the strategy there for, I guess, being able to become aware of when you are starting to fall into stress and start to consciously guide yourself into the space of growth, because I think that the awareness piece is really important so that we don't Mm. end up falling too much into the stress type. And so Enneagram work is a three-pronged approach. Really, all of the Enneagram is really rooted in this law of three. Okay. And of course, growth is rooted in the law of three as well. And so the three pronged approach to Enneagram work involves the head, the heart and the gut. And this is radical self-awareness. So that's the first step, the information, learn about your type, learn the language, the responses. The heart piece is soul work. And this can be done through things like journaling, meditation, solitude, silence, um, time and space to develop a relationship with your heart's desire and your inner knowing and space for you to forgive yourself. Even when you discover the Enneagram and start to dive in, in seeing those shadow pieces 
it can feel really, you know, raw. Like someone's like, how do you know my inner workings, these secrets that I thought no one else knew in these ways I operate? So the soul work piece is really important because it inherently requires you to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. And even in noticing your stress response, before you can lean into your growth path, a micro act of forgiveness is required. Mm. <laughs> Do you know? Like, you, yeah. oh, there's my one sh- for me. There's my one showing. Okay, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then move on. Because without that, you can get caught in, oh, here I am in stress. And now I am again. Totally. Right? So, um, that, so, so the soul work, the heart work piece, and the heart's gift is being able to attune right? So attuning to what you need. And then the third piece is the gut piece is the body piece is somatic practices. And this is what grounds you creates grounded awareness for you to be able to have that awareness, that space between the reaction and the response, Mm -hmm. right? Before you actually do the thing that is your stress response with grounded presence, you can actually go, oh, I'm about to I'm about to say something nitpicky or critical or whatever. Oh, actually, I don't, I don't really need to say that now. Mm -hmm. And so the somatic piece, the gut piece comes from a grounded awareness. And that lets, that lets you start to, these three together, let you start to just loosen the grip of your tight pattern because your personality is really a defense mechanism that you've created to navigate life. And what Enneagram work asks you to do is to not let that be so un, so unconscious because it's happening unconsciously anyways. Mm-hmm. It's to wake up to it. And so to awaken to it, you need grounded presence, um, an attuned soul, and the awareness, the mm-hmm. wisdom piece. So really, um, any Enneagram work is starting to really understand how you operate using these three. And for some people, you know, um, head types like us, the one who love information, whoa, the radical self-awareness piece, cool, give me all the information. I mean, right. And it's more of, ah, but I can do, I need some more soul work. Sitting in silence by myself isn't super high on my list of fun things to do, or it was, it wasn't, you know, um, prior to diving into my work. So it's understanding, yeah, where do I need and, and deeper layers of the Enneagram. It's a very deep and intricate system offer even more insight into how, into how you operate. Um, but again, it isn't for the faint of heart. You have to be ready to see, um, the shadow pieces too. Yeah. So for somebody, going through this process, what does that, like, what does the attunement of the heart look like? And then we can Mm. go down to the gut. Like, I'm so curious because if someone doesn't necessarily know like what it means to attune themselves, so how do you do that? For the three practices that I use towards embodiment. And so, um, whether or not you are looking to strengthen your relationship to the head, the heart, the gut embodiment, according to the Enneagram is living in the present moment fully in all three. So thinking clearly, attuning emotionally and acting impactfully all at once. Mm -hmm. That is embodiment. Okay. Mm -hmm. And each type that's the embodiment, but each type has a different challenge to get there based on how they use these three brains by nature. So the three practices that we can use to strengthen the head, the heart, and the gut, the head is mindfulness. Okay. So things like meditation that are clearing the mind, even, um, some of it, um, box breath, right? Mm-hmm. Like that can be a mindfulness practice of clearing the mental chatter, heart work, 
is strengthening the heart center. And these are th- can be things like um, uh, journaling. I like to think of the hands and the fingers as really extensions of the heart. Mm -hmm. So anything that you're doing with the hands, whether it's cooking, it can be texting, our expressions can be heart work. Um, But journaling is most often the one I offer to people to to strengthen the heart relationship. Um, My favorite heart work right now is chanting, right? Mm Because the voice box is right over the heart. So um, anything that uh, illuminates the heart, gratitude, forgiveness, these are all practices that strengthen your heart and and, and that ability to attune. Okay. And again, even just uh, journaling or expressing uh, your feelings uh, really have that ability to help you attune. And then the body work uh, is strengthening the gut. And this can be in a lot of things, but really somatic practices, movement, um, but also taking action on things that you want. Also saying the thing. Also um, uh, loosening resistance in the body. Um, I know for me last year, I had a really, you know, heart expand, a weekend immersion in heart work of grieving and feeling all my feelings. And then when I came home, I committed to weekly massages for the Mm -hmm. next six weeks. And to me, that was body work, literally working through the stresses and resistance that your body carries from your energetic patterns. Mm -hmm. So um, mindfulness, heart work, and body work, um, we can all benefit from on our path to embodiment. But each type, of course, um, will have um, a one that they should be focusing on based on which center they use the least. Okay. So for a seven, we use the heart last. Okay. So it's heart work. And, and so even breath work, you know, when we talk yeah. about the Academy of Breath and, and breath work, um, really for me was one of my big first immersions in heart work, mm. right? Um, because when we talk about like expanding the lungs and expanding the breath, well, the lungs and the heart are <laughs> inextricably <Yeah>. linked. <laughs> yeah. So it's, they, they're, they're together. So this heart work, and for me, um, doing my heart work at first actually brought up a lot of old under-processed and under-felt emotions that I yeah. had to feel um, and real recognize that it was my sevenness, my always planning the next thing, always the next idea, always the next trip, always the next fun thing that was a strategy to keep me from landing in the not so the the not so nice feelings of of my life and and really understanding that that was actually limiting me mm-hmm. and yeah. the fear of a seven is to be limited and each of the nine types has a um, an oxymoron or a, an irony right and and the fear the sevens is that I don't want to be limited but in not wanting to be limited and not committing to anything they actually become limited. Mm. because there is so much more that is possible when you full, go full go full in, right? When you go all in, there's so much more that is possible than when you try to keep all your options open. Yeah. What does commitment look like to you when really honoring your well, type? Yeah. Um, commitment to me has really looked like showing, continuing to show up and to recognize, you know, my type is, the seven type is really good at reframing. And so it's like one of the gifts, right? I'm able to like see the bright side and reframe, but I'm also able to take things that, you know, someone's trying to say, or if something that has happened, the universe is trying to tell me something 
and I can reframe it into whatever I want, right? Oh no, this is just this, this means this. And um, whereas commitment to me has meant sticking with it, Mm. like um, sticking with the unpleasant moments, sticking with the emotion when it arises. So when I have an emotion that comes up from the heart, uh, that is a painful one my literally I'll like pick up my phone and start Googling trips, you know, like that's that's where it's like commitment for me is to go, Oh, there's an emotion and I am committed to my heart work Mm -hmm. and feeling this emotion. Mm. Do you, in those times, let yourself go into practices that you know will support you in moving it or is there like an in-between space where you sit within the like I am just fully feeling this I'm not going to do a breathwork practice that'll move it I'm not going to do a journaling practice I'm just here right now Mm. Um, and that depends entirely on the season. Yeah. Uh, I would say I live in a four season climate and uh, in the, su- in the summer and when water is, is an option, you know, I always find myself drawn to, to walk or to go to, or paddle on, you know, the nearest body of water. Um, that's not really an option right now. Um, yeah. And breathwork practices to me, yes, certain ones will support. Um, but for me, a couple ones that have been really big have been a somatic shakeout. And this is like, mm-hmm. it's really just a fancy word for a solo kitchen dance party. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, if a big emotion arises, I know for me, and again, the sevens energetic pen- tendency is to get stuck in the mind, to keep mm-hmm. all your energy up here. And the antidote is to get it into your body and into the heart, right? Yeah. So so a, a three-minute dance party um, will do that, <laughs> you know, get you into your body and give that space to actually process um, the emotion. And my favorite that I actually learned in an Enneagram training um, is taking the right palm on up on the heart space and just leaving it there. And this, of course, uh, is we're biologically designed for this to release serotonin mm-hmm. so that when you have a baby up here that it, you know, you bond with the baby. Yeah. But what I love about this is that you're actually bonding with yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're, it's like a, a hack to release serotonin, to remember I'm here. Yeah. I can support me here. Mm-hmm. I'm all I need. Right. And, and giving yourself a hug. And that's been, um, and especially within the pandemic, when there's been moments where that's like fully true, <laughs> do you know, um, yeah. I can't get a hug from anyone else. Uh, that's been really, really potent as well. And you'll notice that all of those things where, you know, a prior version of me would have said, you know, my solution is always something I've thought of, mm-hmm. not something I'm doing or feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about for the times where it's just easier to go on your phone and look at the trip or mm-hmm. go for other types, you know, the other ways in which we would avoid actually doing the thing we're meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. And every type of something they avoid. Um, and of course it comes up in their life in another way because of it. Um, but, uh, and this is the thing, 
you're going to be navigating your humanness and your sevenness your whole life. It doesn't matter how awake you are or how aware you are. There are some times where you are just going to go and revert back to your type pattern. You're going to go revert back to the familiar pattern and that's okay. And again, that's where the the forgiveness piece right. of it comes in. Um, and yeah, so for me, that micro acts of forgiveness has been, and, and really all the practices that that I teach and that I've learned, um, 2021 has been, was all about how do I make these really sustainable? Mm-hmm. So instead of like, you know, a 60 minute yoga practice to get my peace of mind, how can I do that in five minutes or 10 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, breath work has been that, that answer. Um, and with, with the heart where it's like, yeah, oh, I, I want to go just book the trip. And oh, I, I fully know that this isn't good for my well-being, but I'm going to go down this rabbit hole right now of, of planning. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and it happens. And so I can forgive myself and know that in this moment, I still am still in choice of whether or not I get, I proceed from a place of presence or of reactivity, right? Because mm-hmm. the the reaching for your phone, the, the patterns are these reactions that are just innate. And, and, and so I get to be in choice and it doesn't always mean that I'm going to choose the, the embodied choice. And that's okay because that's what makes me human. Mm-hmm. I love that. I am always in choice. I am mm-hmm. always in choice. It's just something really important that I think we all have to remember is that even if you make the the choice that you may have in the past, even if you make the choice that you haven't made in five years, even if you make a choice that is ungratifying, you are still always in choice. I mean, I was thinking about it earlier today. So I was just down at the beach before. And, um, I earlier today was feeling like I was getting up in my head and I was like, okay, well, what's going to inspire me right now to just like drop back into my heart. So going down to the beach and meditating and breathing was that answer for me. So I get in my car and I go down to the beach and, you know, of course, along the way, I'm like, it's cold. I don't want to go down to the beach. Like I'm going to be cold. It's going to be windy. And that was like me being in my head. Um, once I got down there, I was like, I got down on the beach and I looked in one direction. I was like, oh, I'll go down and walk in this direction. And I start walking in that direction. I'm like, no, I'm going to go in the other direction. I think that part of that, that side of the beach looks better. And I start walking down that to that side. And then I see this, um, guy that was like drinking a beer and just like, I was like, I don't really know if I want to do my meditation practice around him. And so I went like one direction, then the other direction. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go in the other direction. And then I, so then I started going back towards the first direction that I went in and I am happy that I did because it was me honoring the feeling that I was getting pulled towards and like honoring that I was always still in choice. I didn't have to just settle on like, all right, well, I already walked this way and now I'm going to go this way. I don't want to look silly on the beach. Like I'm in choice constantly. I'm empowered constantly. So if I don't want to do my meditation here, I can just walk in the other direction. And I know that that's like a very simple explanation of being in choice, but it's a good but a it's lot of a, people would, would let that stop them. Yeah. Would let the the external stop them from. Yeah. And I think that that's like a bigger, you know, when I think about with myself and just like a lot of what stops us from really living the life that we want to is that it is that kind of like, ah, well, you know, I'm, I, I made my bed, so I have to lay in it or I'm already going down this path. So I can't change it. Like there's this permanence of our decisions in reality, there's very, very, very few decisions in life that are permanent. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm, totally. And it's interesting. I live um, in a town in central or in city in central Canada where people tend to stay you know, and, and we, in the pandemic, it freed us in a lot of ways that we were able to move to where we dream of moving by the water, more temperate climate, more beautiful in the mountains. And, uh, and when we tell people here, so many people here are like, oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, I wish, I wish I could pick up and move. And really, you know, I say, but you can, you choose, but you choose not to. And, And it's okay that you choose not to, you don't, not everyone has to choose to, to move, but to, to instead think to yourself, oh, I wish I could do that. This reminder, you're choosing to do this. You're choosing where you are now and you can choose differently just because you're choosing this for this moment doesn't mean you have to choose it in the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you know, and obviously you have, you have a child, so, you know, it's more challenging to do mm-hmm. so when there are compelling reasons. Or, yeah. There's many reasons why it is not going to always be the easiest, but we do still have that free will to uproot and to change and to shift. And I just think that the more that we come into alignment with that, the more empowered we feel to really create from a place of, of choice versus victimhood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and really what I found the Enneagram to be is the just giving you the language to be able to understand the choice that you're making, mm-hmm. right? Am I choosing a stress response or am I choosing my growth today? Mm-hmm. And and like I said, like forgive yourself either way. Like it does, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, it does matter in, in the big picture, but but really, you can choose what you choose, and that's okay. But at least if you know what you're choosing, having more awareness for it um, will eventually change your choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at a certain point, you're just like, come on. Okay, I forgive myself and I'm and sick I'm and tired of doing this. I'm I'm done of being in the same pattern. Mm-hmm. And when you when you have the words and the language for that pattern and you can start to see it and you're like, "Oh, because I'm stuck in this pattern doesn't make me whatever. It's just I'm a 7 in my stress response." So now I can meet that with compassion and proceed accordingly. Mm, so cool. So I imagine that with the clients, depending on what their type is, you're utilizing different breathwork practices for each type to really help them strengthen the other types, correct? Mm-hmm, to help them strengthen the three centers. So whether they're working on mindfulness, uh, strengthening the mind, the heart, or the gut, um, I bring in different breathwork practices um, that uh, we work into their days in sustainable ways. That's awesome. I think that it's really cool. Again, like I always love talking to alumni because you all do such different things. And, you know, sometimes at first glance, someone might just think, oh, breathwork and meditation, I just have to be a yoga teacher or, you know, only work in some aspect of mindfulness. But Enneagram is mindfulness. And it's also this really epic framework for how to live your life. And um, I just think that it's so cool that you're able to incorporate breath and meditation into the work that you do with your clients and really be able to take the different practices because, I mean, you know, it's not a one size fits all approach. We are Mm -hmm. these different types. We are these different personalities. And so for somebody that like me, that um, is very heady and very cerebral, I love equal ratio breathing and there are other practices as I need to drop me even further into my body. So equal ratio breathing can't just be the only thing that I do. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's it. And and so it's again, it's just another layer of understanding who you are by nature and then how to support that. Um, and yeah, with the breathwork practices, um, it's been really great from from a coaching point of view. And really, the difference between what actually makes an impact or not. And with my clients, I've had some some clients who have resisted the breathwork you know, who are, they want to be coached. They're there for their, the insight. They're there for the, the information, right? Mm-hmm. Are they sevens um, too? No, eights, <laughs> eights, the challengers. Okay. okay. But, there we but, go. But, but we're close on that. We have similarities, sevens and eights, whoever you're close to, uh, the numbers you're close to are kind of like your neighbors. You have more in common with them just by your proximity. But uh, yeah. And then, so with this client, it's three month client. And it took about four weeks before he dove into the practices. And, uh, and it was, uh, and like clockwork with all my clients, I see it. It's week three. Week three is when like the layers start to shed of, of doing their breath work of really committing to the breath. And yeah. And so four weeks to do the breath work practice. And then, yeah, took a week and a half. And then now it's like, uh, the godsend, you know, it's, he's like, Oh, everyone needs to do this. Da, 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 da. And, uh, yeah. So, but with it, and, and he was a coach as well, who's now looking to bring it in with his clients because it's the difference between knowing something and knowing it in your body. Yeah. <laughs> knowing it fully and fully embodying it. Um, and there's so many spaces, you know, that extend beyond yoga and meditation where this can absolutely be um, essential. And even I've done some trainings just with my, where, um, everyone can use certain practices, even like, uh, one round of box breath. My best friend is a realtor and I, I've worked with her and trained her that before walking into a house, before walking into a sale, a showing to do one round of box breath. Right. And literally it's just like a chill pill that you're just Mm -hmm. taking when you're walking in the door. And so everyone can benefit from understanding um, their breath, right? Their innate ways of managing their life force. Mm, Yes, I totally agree. One of my good friends, that's actually my realtor and helping me find a place in Austin. She, I think is going to be joining the upcoming round of the Academy of Breath. Um, But she teaches other breathwork styles too. And she's like, this is something I do with my clients. Like before we go in to look at a house, we'll all take a moment and take a breath together. Or if we're on the phone and they're starting to get antsy about if they're going to get accepted on the house or if their house is selling, like we'll take that breath together. And And like you said, it is that chill pill. And I mean, very literally it is, you know, creating that sense of chill in your brain and in your nervous system. And so it is so powerful and it's so cool to just see people step out of just like knowing that it's good to feeling that it's good. And that's why, you know, for me, I preach embodiment so hard inside of the Academy of breath and like above all, that's the most important piece because the felt sense of what's actually happening when you're doing these different practices is what's going to convince you to keep going. Mm. All of the science in the world is powerful and I love it. And it helps me get behind it. It helps me stay motivated to do the practices, but it wasn't until I consistently started feeling it that I was like, Oh, there's some magic in here that I must share with people. Mm-hmm. And the felt sense is that gut. And as a seven, as a head type, our work is to learn to follow those gut pulls, even when you can't, even when you don't have the information to back it up. Right. So 
but I love, and, and yeah, I love that, that coming back into and, and yeah, needing to share it with others because, and this is the thing, right? It's free. It's always accessible. You always have it with you. As long as you're alive, you know, you have this choice to breathe in presence or on autopilot, Mm. right? And understanding and all of this, again, just gives you more reasons to choose presence, Mm -hmm. more ways to choose presence, more practice to choose presence. Mm. So cool. So with the Enneagram and our main type that we have, Mm -hmm. I guess my, I'm going to figure out the best way to say this. So if we're striving and our growth comes from aligning with a five or whatever the growth Mm -hmm. is for you. And then the stress is coming from the one or whatever it is for you. Is there a time when we're just like straight seven or straight, Mm -hmm. whatever number? Totally. And that's a really great question. Um, So each type has a spectrum of health. There are nine levels of health for each type. So there's like three levels of embodied three levels of average and three levels of unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Okay. And our whole life, we are fluctuating, right. Between these, between these, um, states of being and the way we level up and down is by integrating your growth path. So in our case to the five is how we level up. And when we take on those unhealthy one habits is how we get knocked down. But when we're existing, so when we're not moving up and down the spectrum, we are our sevenness. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's in the movement happens through the spectrum of your health happens with that um, reaching for and borrowing qualities from that growth point and stress point. But most of the time you're just in your... (laughs) You know what? You're, I'm I'm in an average level of my well being right now, and I'm just my sevenness. And then, oh, I'm going to integrate some growth, and then maybe I level up a little bit, and then I'm this level of my sevenness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's those are the ways up and down. Okay, so it's not necessarily that we always want to be in the embodied no. state. That's well, not. No, we do want to be in the embodied state, but we don't always need to be leaning into the five type growth path. Okay. Got it. So, so the leaning into the growth path, that conscious areas of growth are really in these big shifts, right? And we can do it in small ways every day, but it's so that we level up so that we embody and stay in a state of health. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. stay in a place where we're feeling good, where we are emulating the high side of the seven nature. And in the highest levels of health, sevens are ecstatic appreciators, um, really joyful, um, enjoy with life and, and bringing in of others and really um, appreciating of all they have in present. And in the low levels of health are like super scattered, reckless, like it's so a seven in their low levels and a seven in their embodiment look totally different, even if their motivation is the same. Mm, That's so interesting. So would you recommend like for people where they start, of course, go to your website, do the self-assessment, get Mm -hmm. more details on it. And then like, as far as like day to day, is it really making sure that you're doing something to nourish your mind, your heart and your gut? Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And, and I do have a program, the embodiment project where we learn all about it and how you integrate it into your everyday in small, sustainable ways, um, ways to practice mindfulness, heart work and embodiment, body work um, every day, but all types can benefit from all that work. So it's how every day am I 
learning something new about myself? How every day am I giving my soul time and space to connect? Mm. How am I taking care of my physical body every day? So whether that's through movement or through um, breath work, right? Or somatics, but your body is, uh, I, I talk about the body, the gut is like the engine, right? And the engine needs ma- needs maintenance, regular routine maintenance, right? And that's what movement, breath um, are, at least for me, is this daily way to come into my body, to come into that inner knowing um, and work through what might be holding you back. Oftentimes, and it's interesting, one of my favorite breathwork teachers and practices um, includes scream therapy. Mm-hmm. And so in the and uh, and in the, and some days, you know, I'll have a scream that I have no idea where that came from. You know, I'm like, oh, I thought I was feeling pretty good. Yeah. And but that scream to me, and that it's that that gut having the space to actually, you yeah. know, release what it's holding on to. And and so often in the body, we're holding on to so much that we're not even aware of. Yeah. Right. And breath work and stillness give that space to expand that awareness. Sounding is so powerful. Oh my gosh. Our vocal, any type of vocal activation is just, I mean, I've just been getting messages loud and clear, like voice, 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 Mm. voice in whatever way, whether it's, you know, singing and like channeling love or it's like emoting and letting things go. It is such a powerful way to move energy. I mean, I'm just obsessed and mm. wish I found it earlier. <laughs> well, it's interesting. And, and so Murcha, like the, the, yeah. the humming. Um, so I, and I do it without all the closing, but uh, just the humming and the vocal toning is part of my breathwork practice. And, and my daughter <laughs> over the winter break was home. So she would come in and, and now she comes and sits with me and goes, mm. I love that. Yay. <laughs> but I mean, like if we could all learn that, you know, mm. when, when we, we were young little beings before we um, tell ourselves that we have to do all these other things to cope. Um, if we were just taught, you know, just <sighs> that's better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? It really is. I have, yeah. I'm excited for our youth because I think that there's a lot of conscious individuals out there that have these practices now that are making them very, very integrated into the raising of their children. So Mm, thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. And, um, I'm so appreciative of you coming on. Can you share how people can work with you and how they can find you? For sure. Um, so, uh, rochelle-taylor.com, um, is the easiest way to find me. All my resources are on there. I have a self-typing guide. I also have an embodiment challenge that will introduce you to the three, um, centers, um, that are both, um, gifts to, to you. So those links, um, are on my website and then I'm on Instagram, Rochelle, uh, two underscores Taylor, um, where I share lots of great insight and try my best to keep it real and not water it down too much. Cause I know that with these deep spiritual tools, I'm trying to share them in entertaining and educational ways um, is is a challenge. So I I try my best, but love connecting with people there. And I offer one-on-one coaching. And a lot of my clients are entrepreneurs who are looking to work on themselves both personally and professionally. Um, You know, when you're an entrepreneur, it can be a lonely place, you know, and so of having um, to understand how you operate, not only in your day-to-day life and your relationships, but also in your business and um, uh, and your work. So I would love, love, love to connect with you. Uh, and yeah, the best place is on Instagram. 
Awesome, Michelle. Thank you so much. Everybody go check out the show notes because all of the links are included there. And I'm just so grateful that we got to have this conversation. It was so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 